Hello, and welcome to the Ever Widening Circles podcast, designed to give you more joy, less fear, and no end to the evidence that a brighter future is possible. This podcast will give you a fresh perspective on the world around you. We want you to hear from thought leaders in a wave of progress well underway around the globe that almost no one knows about. In fact, it's so hidden by the chaos on the internet that we're calling it a conspiracy of goodness. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles. Since 2014, we've been changing the negative dialogue about our times by celebrating the insight and innovations that prove it's still an amazing world. And along the way, I've been having incredible conversations with thought leaders that we are now sharing with you. Today, I'm going to chat with an amazing thought leader who was a guest writer for Everwinding Circles almost exactly a year ago last summer. Mary Liz Bender, well, uh, she is like most thought leaders, one of these people who have connected disparate things that no one ever thought to combine. And she's here to share the wonder that only a space journalist slash experiential storyteller could connect us with. Mary Liz, how are you? I'm great, Linda. I That almost made me cry. I First of all, just to to hear you speak about your mission in such a succinct way that's also so powerful is incredibly inspiring to me. And to hear you call me a thought leader and give me kind of an outsider's perspective like that is um, something I'm really grateful for. But moreover, your mission to change the dialogue of our times resonates with me so wholeheartedly. I couldn't even begin to explain how grateful I feel that we somehow connected only a year ago. I can't believe that. It's insane. I know. Seems like we've known each other forever, and we want to share the story of the, that connection. Mm-hmm. I've got a way to kind of move us in that direction because there are some good lessons in all that. As far as mm-hmm. you know, we are all thought leaders in some way. We have something special that we can do to make the world a better place, and it may be as much as taking care of a neighbor that that that's struggling. It may be bigger things. It may be just contributing to big things. It there are so many ways that we can all make the world a better place. And that's what we're doing here at Ever Widening Circles. We're talking to the people who have found a way to take their gifts and turn it into something of value for everyone. So you're definitely one of those people. And, you know, I just painted you with such a giant broad brush as a space journalist, experiential storyteller. (laughs) But I, I love to have guests introduce themselves because there's so much there that we all need to know that's in your heart and mind. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. Yeah, it's really hard. Every I keep trying to find a better way to get through this giant story because I always feel like I have to start from the beginning so that you have this holistic view. Well, let me help you with this thought because this is a great way to start a story like that because I feel the same way. I know your pain. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the thought leaders have been on such an extraordinary journey, one foot in front of the other often not really knowing Mm -hmm. what the destination was, but knowing that they just had to keep going on the path they were on. So help us understand what your work focuses on that we probably all want more of. 
All right. Yeah, it's a good place to start. And I will say that one foot in front of the other, that's still happening today and every single day. I have no idea. I don't know that there is a destination just to keep going, you know. But what I am so focused on right now is really you know, our mission at Cosmic Perspective, which is an organization I founded a couple of years ago with my partner, Ryan, it is to inspire hope, elevate empathy, and unite through experiences of awe and wonder. And we do that in myriad ways. Um, you know, a typical day looks like this morning where we got up at 6 a.m., 5 a.m. and headed out to the launch pad. And we live here in Cape Canaveral, Florida, where we document this amazing journey of space exploration. And, you know, I, it really started with the recognition that I'm so lucky, so fortunate to be here at the forefront of what's happening in space. And I am desperate to transport people here. And I do that through live streams, through events through films, through uh, the book that we're writing. But this is about something more. You know, it's really about helping people fall in love with human potential, helping people reimagine the future, which is something that is so unique to space exploration. You know, you cannot, you cannot think about far-fetched worlds or building communities on other worlds or you know, the kind of advanced technology that we have to use to make this happen without considering longer periods of time, things much bigger than you, the cosmos. <laughs> and then, of course, what do we want to bring out there? Should we continue to evolve out into the stars? What do we take with us? What do we leave behind? What do we want our communities to really look like? How do we bring all those diverse, beautiful minds to the table? To me, it's really about that. It's really about starting right now, right here with each of us individually. Like, what would I change? I don't want to go start over on another planet, you know, and, and bring any of this baggage with me. I want to start right now and release it as we go. I love everything you're saying. I'm sure <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and replay this episode and just hear that last three <laughs> minutes. I, I wrote down, you might've heard me rustling papers. Yeah. I'm, I'm a great one for, you know, writing thoughts that I really want to ponder about. And I tell you, falling in love with human potential mm. is an expression I want to think a lot more about. That is so beautiful. I think about it every day. <laughs> That's so great. And you know, it, the reason I think why that resonates with me so much is that I'm a person who really hates mispotential. Yes. Oh, I hate <laughs> I just, it. Oh, you know, if I'm going to make a trip into town, I've got to have three things on my list That's just right. to make it worth it. But even mm -hmm. more over in my art and in ever widening circles, we're always trying to do more with less mm -hmm. and make the most of human potential on the ever widening circles team. That's for sure. Yeah. So Let's get real, real clarity if we can, if we can, with who we're talking to here. So Mary Liz Bender has a very unusual background that I'm going to have her share in just a minute that led her to this moment. She and her partner have found an extraordinary way to, now you, you're going to have a chance to correct me here, but I'm trying to get real clarity. They, they have one foot after another brought themselves to the place where they are documenting rocket launches at Cape Canaveral. Mm-hmm in a most extraordinary way. And then they organize events 
and do a great many other things that amplify the wonder that they feel and see and experience with these these rocket launches, mm. launch after launch. I couldn't believe what your backyard is. Mary Liz mm. has found this place to live in the Cape that, that she looks out over the launch pad across the way. Yeah. So someone with this much passion has got that much connection to something they love is something to celebrate right there. Mm -hmm. So fill in the blanks there. I just wanted people to know that Mary Liz is somebody who is documenting the wonders of our, <laughs> of the human potential to get from Earth up to space and everything in between that. And then also she's sharing with the world what astronauts over time, oh, we can't not go there, right? Astronauts over time, mm -hmm. the, the, the perspectives that they've brought back from their experiences in space. Mm -hmm. and I think that's a good place for you to tell that story of serendipity about what happened to you after you wrote that article for us. Mary Liz uh, was a guest writer for us. Yeah. We discovered each other last summer and I said, for gosh sakes, this woman can write. She has got to tell us what she knows about the wonder of space and why she's on this journey. And so she wrote this amazing article for us. And then something very serendipitous happened to her. So I'll let you take it from there. Right. So I'll kind of explain by setting this up a little bit so that people understand why this is so impactful for me. So Early on in my journey, the thing that inspired me to uh, pursue this mission was the discovery of an amazing book called The Overview Effect, which was written in 1987 by Frank White. This man was so humble and so thoughtful, and what he said was so profound to me. So if you read this book, you'll find that he speculated without knowing at all what had happened in space exploration up to that point, he speculated while he was on a flight that from the perspective of space, astronauts must have a profound shift in awareness. And then he set out to interview astronauts. And to this day, I think he's interviewed 42, that's right, 42 astronauts so far. And he has interviewed them over the course of 30 years re-interviewed them, and he's confirmed, validated his hypothesis that, yes, indeed, when astronauts go to space and they look at our planet from that vantage point, they are forever changed. And the experience is different for all of them, but the kinds of things that they say are the same. You know, they say borders disappear. Ecological borders are very clear, but, you know, government borders disappear the only border, this is what Nicole Stott says, the only border that really matters is that thin blue line of atmosphere that blankets and protects us all from the harshness of space. Everybody falls in love with the planet. This is an important point to me. They fall in love with the beauty of the planet and they come back. They leave as fighter pilots, test pilots, engineers, scientists, and they return as hardcore humanitarians. Some of them turn to art to try to translate that perspective to others. But until Frank White showed up, they did not have language to describe what they had seen. And so obviously this left a, a lasting impact on me. And I thought, my gosh, this is the way that I can communicate 
our interconnectedness, the beauty of our planet. This is a way if we can translate to others to save the world, if you will, and move forward in a conscious way. And so I set out to do that mission totally inspired by this book, but I'd never met Frank. In fact, I was nervous at the idea of such a thing. People had offered to introduce me to him, but I just, uh, I, I felt like I wasn't ready. And um, then last year, I decided to do a Kickstarter to kick off a book all about this subject and a film with my partner, Ryan. And, you know, in the process of doing a Kickstarter, it is really difficult. You will come upon days where you think, my gosh, there's such a lull. There's, we're not even halfway to our goal and we're well over halfway through our, our timeline. There's no way we're going to make it. But every day, you know, one foot in front of the other, I would say to myself, what can you do today that you haven't done yet? Oh, that's so good. That's so good. It's one of my favorite lessons. I mean, I learned it in the process and it was grueling. I mean, we were distraught some days, but we would always still move through that feeling and ask ourselves that question. And one day I thought, you know what? I'm having a really hard time getting any press about this because no one wants to sell anything in a story. So I thought, well... I'll write an article and I'll try to find someone to allow me to be their guest, you know, writer, guest blogger, whatever. And I came upon your website because I was really trying to find a publication outside of the space industry because preaching to the choir isn't super helpful. And I really I wanted to get more people in the know about this amazing thing. And so I um you know, I don't even remember if I reached out to you um, or how, how it all came about, but there was a magical moment where you responded to me and you accepted a phone call. And I'll never forget being at my father's farm. I, I just so happened to be visiting and talking to you for maybe hours. I was barefoot in the grass. I was, I was overlooking like my, my childhood playground, the whole forest, you know, and, and I just remember feeling like I met someone really special and regardless of whatever outcome this might be for the Kickstarter, that this was far more important. And so I'm really grateful for that day. But as it turns out, you published my article I worked with your amazing team who made it far better, you know, really helped me edit it to uh, something very impactful, I think, very powerful. <laughs> what happened then was that I think maybe a week from then is when you decided to publish it at this perfect time. And I was at a rocket launch. I was actually, I was with Bill Nye and the rest of my team where I, I previously worked at the Planetary Society and we were witnessing the launch of Lightsail 2 on a SpaceX Falcon Heavy, which was an experience in and of itself. But that morning, I woke up before the launch, and it was about 5 or 6 a.m. This is kind of a theme of launches, it seems. And I remember Ryan kind of shook me awake. This does not happen often. So Ryan shakes me awake in the morning and he's got this huge smile on his face and he says, hi, guess who reached out to you? And I said, uh, I, I don't know. And he was like, guess like the, the best guess you could guess. And I was like, Brian Eno. And he was like, okay, guess the next <laughs> best guess. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I, I don't know. And he says, 
Frank White tweeted at you this morning and I immediately started crying. He reminded me, he's like, the ever widening circles article that you wrote must have come out kind of overnight. And he found it and he read it. And I want you to see what he had to say about you. And so I, I immediately shoot up, you know, I've got tears streaming down my face already. And I want to cry just thinking about it right now. I remember looking at the tweet and he said, this writer really gets the overview effect and why we need to bring it down to earth. Oh, I got goosebumps head to toe right now. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Oh my gosh. I'm, I was, and of course I just start bawling and then I open up my email and Frank had sent me a direct email that was very long and very thoughtful as, as he always is. He tells me, I can't believe it. He says, I, you know, I've got a Google trend set up. So I know when any press comes out about the overview effect. And when I read your article, though, it was different. He said, you understood that it was about empathy and that that is what we need to take away and bring down to earth. And he said, I really want you to reach out. I want to help you. I feel that it is my obligation, my responsibility to now kind of pass the torch on and support the other people that are bringing this perspective to the world in new ways. And I just, what a morning. And then I saw that launch and with the team of people who built that spacecraft. And I just like, it was one of the most, um, yeah. What a day. What a day. I I remember when you emailed me, I know exactly where I was and told me the story of what happened to you. You know, as a social innovator myself, just shoulder into the wind day after day. I totally appreciate these moments where you feel like it may just be possible. (laughs) Yeah, yes, yes. And, And that's true. And they don't come often. I think that's important to recognize is that even Frank himself, let me, can I say this? This is important, I think. When I finally met Frank, we drove all the way from uh, California to Burning Man. We did our presentation in, you know, all sorts of places all across the U.S. And then we went all throughout the middle of the U.S. all the way up to Boston and met Frank. And I had my first interview with him, which lasted three and a half hours. We're instantly dear friends. We talk every single day. So I've gotten to... I do. I talk to him every day. We collaborate all the time. He's on our advisory council. But that day, he told me something so insane to me, you know, because the overview effect, it it was just, um, it's talked about everywhere. It's talked about on One Strange Rock, which is a really beautiful show hosted by Will Smith Mm -hmm. and features many astronauts. It's featured in in all sorts of places right now. And so it's really amazing when you sit down and you talk to Frank White and you hear that for almost 30 years, you know, when he wrote the book, he thought it was a visionary moment. He really thought this is going to change the world. I'm writing this book and it's going to instantly change the world. And that was not the case. He waited almost 30 years. He said, I thought I was a failure for 30 years. 30 
years. Like I felt initially validated that the astronauts agreed with me, but you know, then nobody responded. And I thought I was starting the revolution, but nothing happened until one day, finally, it seemed like out of nowhere, people started to pick it up. And now it's just, it's the early adoption phase is over. It's already making its way into the mainstream. And he, he gets really emotional about it um, now that he finally sees all that work coming to fruition. Oh, I, I just have to tell you, that is such a common sentiment from thought leaders. It really is about getting up every day and being willing to have like crickets be your only cheering section. <laughs> right? Right. And and I think you have to be driven by the greater good. You yes. have to be driven by not the immediate success. This is hard to hear from myself. I'm trying to listen as I speak always, but um, it's not always easy. And especially when sustainability can be really difficult and in these times, but to keep going amidst all of that, amidst your imposter syndrome, amidst your doubt, amidst your fear, amidst your not feeling validated in the moment, whatever, you have to keep listening to that voice and continue on. Thank you, Mary Liz, for these wise words that I will now integrate into my life. Jeez. (laughs) Well, I've also, um, this also resonates with me too, because today I was half hour late for our conversation with Mary Liz, because today is day three after my book launched. Yes. Um, yes. And I have, I have too been, been working away with a wonderful team and the early adopters who loved ever widening circles and recognized what we were doing early, but really just not feeling like I was making any traction. And then on day two, the book is an international bestseller. (gasps) Yes. Yes. I haven't told you yet, but it yesterday I went to bed um, with the email from the publisher that it was number one in Canada, Australia, and Japan. Oh my God. I got goosebumps. Yeah. 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 The book is, um, this is not a plug really. It just is. (laughs) And I do want everyone in the world to read the book because it, will give us a choice. It will show you that we we can turn around this mess that we've got uh, ourselves into with negativity and division and all that. But the book's called Happiness is an Option. And basically in the book, I'm, I'm teaching people what I learned going from ordinary web user just seven years ago to after this intense seven years to now a global web publisher I have not forgotten that I too was a girl from a farm in the heartland. And and I know what it's like to lay and look at the big, the big sky and the stars and dream big dreams and think everything's bigger than you are. But I know exactly what you're saying. You know, you, you see something, you've got to share it with the world and you start at it, but maybe the world's not ready to hear the next message yet. I guess I really love the fact that the book is is doing so well (laughs) because it is proof that this is still an amazing world and that people want a better future. It's a testament to this time, absolutely. And I think it's so funny because it just validates what you've already been doing. We hear a lot of the negative. We hear about all of the chaos because we're kind of caught up in this clickbaity economy right now. But the truth is that 
people want to be better. People want this to be better. better. People want to be better themselves. That is the majority. I believe that wholeheartedly. That is the majority. Yes, absolutely. And that's why we're talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) You've got this word elevation (laughs) really nailed. I mean, you're talking about real elevation up there. So, um, Mm -hmm. so I've got some questions I want to ask you that you can share your experience with us on. So I've been noticing over the years, as we got to know so many thought leaders, that there's sort of a recipe for how, well, first of all, I need to tell you that I believe, and, and you may concur, I don't know, I'd love to hear what you think of that. I believe we're about to turn a corner, a really important corner. I know as loud and as terrifying as things sound, you know, human beings rise to the occasion when our back is to the wall. And we're certainly, Mm -hmm. it's arguable that we're we're there now with all this acrimony and all this. Um, But here's the thing. I think we're just about to usher in a new era. I believe we are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's not even something I think. I, I just see too much evidence of goodness and progress taking hold. And for all the negativity that's out there, that's just driving more and more people to want a different world, right? Yeah. So I've noticed that the innovators who are out there like you, do five things. They rigorously peel back the onion to the source of the issue. Mm. They don't just go plant a whole bunch of trees in a place that's been deforested. They figure out Mm. why people cut down the trees in the first place and they attack the problem at the lowest possible level, right? Um, And Mm. they're really creative. They put together a whole bunch of things that no one ever thought to connect. And always, always, always in the process, they use what's in surplus. They don't feel like they need to create a whole bunch of more stuff to get this job done. The fourth thing is they involve community. They, they don't like impose their solution on others. They, they find that having a sense of, that communities where everything good starts and everything takes root and will grow indefinitely. And then the last thing is they are always led by somebody with a graceful, measured, good nature. Mm-hmm. So when I look at you and I look at your project and all that I know about it over time, I think, oh, my God, she's got the innovator's recipe nailed. Uh, I don't often feel that way, but it is wonderful to hear. No, I think you're doing so many things. So what part of that resonated with you? Do you feel like you started one place and you peeled back the onion until you got to the source? Do you feel like the putting two concepts together that no one ever thought to combine the surplus thing, yeah. a community thing, or the lead with grace. What, what part of that description resonates yeah, with you? Do you want to share with Yeah, all above, but with a focus on number one, absolutely, which is all about the overview effect. It's literally, it's literally getting an elevated perspective, looking at the whole problem, looking at the whole system, recognizing that all these little parts that are good and bad and all the issues are just little cogs, little pieces of an entire system. And to, from that elevated perspective, see the whole and recognize how everything is connected. And so you can then zoom into those issues and say, aha, here is the source of the issue here. So as an example, you used issues with forestry, right? It's a really good example, but I'll kind of back up. So right now we're, we're in a time where I have had 
moments where I've been asking, am I really doing what I should be doing? Because it feels like I need to make a more immediate change. Do you know what I mean? Sure. I know exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It, there's, there's a sense of urgency I feel right now to help move something forward in, in a very productive way. But what happens with my brain, I think different people are called to different things. But with me, I I don't know what it is. Frank White calls it the overview brain. He calls it overview thinking, actually, this process where you can't do anything but zoom out. It's like the power of 10 video, if you've ever seen it, where you zoom out from the quark, the atom, you know, out of the human into the universe. I can't help but do that. It's just a thing I have. And so when I do that, I recognize that all of these problems, racial injustice, inequality on all scales, you know, issues where people are mistreating other people or judging other people, or we think that it is a cut and dry situation. And so we've got, you know, unhealthy tribalism, I'll call it. All of those issues stem from a lack of empathy. It also stems from a lack of understanding that we are all in this together, that we are all a part of a larger system, that all of our actions and all of our inactions have a lasting effect on the whole. That is the source of the problem. For me, it really boils down to empathy. And then, you know, we evolved to have empathy, to continue to evolve as a species. So it is a, a complex but really beautiful gift. And I've been researching the plasticity of empathy. I've I've gone really deep into this. You know, we're born innately with empathy. We're born innately as explorers. But then through our experiences and uh, traumas, we experience uh, things that insert fear. And then our walls go up and our empathy goes down. And so what all of this is about for me is really helping people fall back in love with humanity, with human potential, and gain that cosmic perspective to understand that we are all in this together and that that's a good thing, but it's also a responsibility and to take that seriously. So that's the reason I do all the work I do. I, I, I definitely see the whole and I feel like this is the onion peeled back to its core. I can't find a more core than empathy. Hey everyone, Dr. Linda here. I want to let you know that we just released my book, Happiness is an Option. In the book, I share insights you can use immediately to thrive in the era of the internet. Life is too short. What we are seeing on the internet, social media, and the news is only a slice of reality. But there are four simple shifts you can make to start seeing the rest of the story. And that story can send you soaring every day. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or by going to the website for the book, happieroption.com. So thanks so much for supporting us this way too. Isn't that a lovely way to sort of frame up everything that comes our way that's, that's negative? So we're all so, so pressed. We all feel a lot of overwhelmed by all the the relentless negativity in social media, the 24-hour news cycle, the internet in general. Mm -hmm. 
And what I love about what you just said is that it, it recognizes that we have a choice. Mm-hmm. We have a choice of what to give our attention to. And if we can shift from our lizard brain, you know, I do a lot of talking about the lizard brain, Mary Liz. In the book, I, I'm telling people that, that we are hardwired for fear. That's it. Every one of us, no matter how brilliant we think we are, we are riding along in a, <laughs> in a ship that's guided by fear. That's, that kept us alive for millions of years. So that's good. But we don't have too many saber-toothed tigers anymore. <laughs> and so we don't need to drive with it in, in the driver's seat all the time. And uh, I think if we can pause, I, I teach people that how I find empathy, how I find peace of mind in a moment where I would just want to skyrocket because <laughs> I'm susceptible as that as anyone uh, speaking of rockets. Um, I can, if I pause, I can shift up to the higher level of my brain. That's more critical thinking that as you pointed out a minute ago, you can say, Oh, I'm not going to click on that. That's clickbait. They just, they're just trying to get me to click on that. I can stop when I listen to a, sort of a hurtful, hateful, unhelpful news story that's more opinion than news, I can stop. Either way, whether it cuts my way or it cuts against what I think, I can just pause and try and find empathy. Right then, right then and there, find that empathy, that that thing that we have in common. I remember um, when the first Gulf War was happening and it was just weeks or maybe month after 9-11. It was so, it was so horrifying to be, a, I was a young parent then, with three children. And it was just a mortifying time to be a parent looking at the future. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I did not know what to think about us going to war, whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. And one night I was watching the television and I just happened to be, I, I happened to be just sort of very dark features and so forth. And um, I was watching a news report where the gunships were firing on refugees in Northern Afghanistan and I don't even know how these reporters got these this images, but there was a woman that looked into the camera holding three little kids just the same way age my children were, and she looked a lot like me. And she just said, how can you let this happen? And then she ran off. And I'm telling you, I have goosebumps telling you the story. I looked into that woman's eyes and saw my own, and then I, I knew what my peace of mind needed to be about that that whole thing, and I could carry on better. Not great, but better. And so I think what you're teaching us, and I want to get go more there. I think what you're teaching us is space probably is the most unifying thing we could all talk about because we are all in it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, it's amazing. We we literally live on a giant spaceship that's perfectly designed for us, and it's moving. There's actually no still space in space. Isn't that crazy to think about? That's crazy to think about. Okay, help us understand this overview mm-hmm. effect better because you've described how other people describe it, but Give us some words that are some stories that we can connect with, with the overview effect. Yeah, this is my favorite story. So, you know, when I embarked on my mission before I ever met Frank, I felt like I had to do my own research and I had to do my own interviews and I had to make sure this was all real. And one of the first astronauts I was able to interview was Ron Guerin, who is such a wonderful human. Ron... He left as a fighter pilot and he returned a straight humanitarian and he has started so many organizations 
that work to clean up the water around the world, address poverty, all sorts of things. But anyway, Ron, when I met him, told me this story that's, I saw it in his eyes. And so I feel like it's really easy to translate. So he was on a mission on the space station. And on the space station, there's this beautiful, gigantic robotic arm called the Canada Arm that does a lot of things. Like it will scoop up spacecraft and then stick it somewhere on the space station, or it'll even take little tiny humans and swing them to the other side of the space station, like in Ron's case. So um, every astronaut, by the way, will tell you that there was a a most profound moment where they actually had the shift in awareness. And by the way, it always comes with a moment of pause, period. And so that's very integral to this research. I don't want us to run right over that. I think that is, that's what you and I have in common. Mm -hmm. That's what most of the best thinkers in the world have always said. We have to pause. And listen, I'm terrible at it, but it is the ingredient. You cannot be open to transformation unless you pause. And a more elevating decision. I mean, (laughs) you know, my brother texted me something last night that was off-putting and I typed something back (laughs) and then I didn't hit send. I just left it. I'm not, I, I paused. I didn't need to make matters worse. Right. And it can go all the way down from a text with a sibling to what we say, the people who cut us off in traffic Mm-hmm. to the pause we make before we, we click on that mean posting on social media, right? Mm-hmm. So continue. Tell us about the pause with the Canada arm. Oh, it's This is a unique story. So basically, there was some maintenance that needed to be done on the other side of the space station. So he exits one side. He attaches his feet, his feet to the end of the Canada arm, which then takes... It does what he calls a windshield wiper move around the space station. And the view that he got during this long, slow arc, as he was just floating there, it was just him in space. His spacesuit was the only thing between him and the vastness of this glorious universe. And so his arms are sticking out. He's standing up and being swung ever so slowly above the earth and he has the the rest of the space station in view and the earth beyond that. And he had an epiphany. First, he marveled at the beauty of our planet and the beauty of this amazing feat. This international space station was built by countries that were fighting with one another at the beginning of our journey into space, Russia, Japan, you know, and so all of these countries, these international countries came together and said, yes, let's work together to make something bigger than we could make by ourselves. And here we have this stunning machine that now to this day has supported every single day for the last 20 years has supported life. People have been living and working on the space station every day for 20 years. But at that time, 
I think this might have been the 2010s. So at that time, he's looking down and saying, oh, my God, this beautiful earth and these beautiful humans came together amidst all the differences and created something so astounding that I I could have never imagined in my wildest dreams. But here we are. It's reality. And I'm here. I got here. And as he's having this moment of recognition of how amazing humans can be, he looks and kind of the focus shifts and he sees the earth and he's, he begins to recall memories where he's, he sees the Middle East and he sees these places he's visited where he, he knows there's fighting. He sees in his memory these villages and these communities where there's no clean water to drink. But he knows what we're capable of. We can build a space station that supports life that can't thrive in space, but we can do it because we want it to. Now, the juxtaposition of, of this realization is what drives his life purpose every single day. He came back and he said, I am going to do whatever I can to make this right. So he started an organization called Fragile Oasis. He started an organization called Constellation that hopes to communicate this experience that he had and other astronauts have had. Um, He works every day to clean up the water, address poverty, and and aims to shift perspective. And in fact, that that line I use all the time, elevate empathy, came directly from Ron's mouth. That was not from me. Ron talks about how his empathy was elevated in that moment. And I loved that. That is just an extraordinary story. You know, the imagery, the mental picture that you created for me, that slow moving arc that, you know, this is the great thing about storytellers is that you are the, you're the one that can bring so many impactful um, changes to our point of view because you can describe what's possible so richly and so um, compellingly that, you know, it can take root in our minds. We've been thinking about the, the, the real estate that that we allow things to take up in our brains. And, you know, I think we're, we're nearing a point in human civilization that, that we might be able to make some better choices about what we allow take up root in our brains, huh? Yeah, and I want to say to you, I do agree that we're turning a corner, but I also want to say I love the title of your book, Happiness is a an Option. It's a choice that you must make. Now, we can turn the corner. I believe we will, but that's up to each of us. And and this actually is a point I, I wanted to make. You were saying that storytellers allow these ideas to take root in our mind. My friends made an amazing song recently about the times that we're experiencing right now. It's really beautiful. The Head and the Heart. And I believe the song's title is The Revolution is in Your Mind. And it's just gorgeous. He sings it over and over. The revolution is in your mind. And this this really helps me connect with my purpose. In those moments where I'm like, God, I just want to like do something right now. I got to take to the streets and like immediately do this and that. And <laughs> and that's important. And that that is important to do when you feel called to do that. But I know that 
I feel in this moment a sense of validation that it's my job to plant those seeds in the mind for the revolution that only each individual can accept for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like the word evolution too. You know, um, I'm, I'm just so not combative. I'm, I'm just so, I, I, I feel so blessed with all the years of interacting with the, the thousands of people I've interacted with in my, my professional life mm-hmm. that every single person has improved the way I think every single visit. Mm-hmm. The people that spend time with me in the office improve my way of thinking that I think of it like an evolving um, process that we can all share with each other. I think it's Jane Goodall, you know, the very, very famous primatologist who discovered that we, we have way more in common with chimpanzees than we ever imagined. She used to say, you know, we figured out that they make tools too. So man, the tool maker, that was out. Shifted my perspective, huh? Right. She figured out that, that they have emotions, that, that, that there are so many things we have in common. But one thing that we can do as humans is we can sit down and we can tell each other what we know. Yeah. If we listen, if we listen, we can tell each other exactly what we know and improve each other's way of thinking. And that becomes a multiplier. Yeah. And I think your statement about, you know, that you said, of course, when the space program began, we were literally not that far from nuclear odds. Somebody, they said, let's work together to build something that none of us can build ourselves alone. Yeah. And that's how I look at the future is that, gee, you know, I'm, I think everybody's got something to add. If we all kind of keep focused on what we all want more of, there are some common things, even with our, our most strident adversaries, that we all want more of, Yeah. right? We want a better future for every kid. We want to know where our next meal is coming from. We want to be safe when we take a walk in our neighborhood. Everybody. Everybody. Every single person on the planet has, uh, has a very, very similar set of wants and needs. Mm-hmm. And I love that there's this notion you're propagating that look at what we did in space. We, we built something that we could never have done alone. And that's how we're going to build the future. We're going to decide that we got to do it together. Absolutely. And that is an important distinction I, I wanted to make. So I'm so glad you did that. I, I want to make it clear. I do not have the answers. You do not have the answers. That person does not. It's not any of those most famous billionaires that we know and love. They can't do it by themselves. Nobody can. We all need each other. It's hard to say what is just clickbait headlines and what is real. But I am noticing that people are really tired of being pitted against one another. They're really tired of this us them thing. Yes, we disagree on political terms here and there. We disagree on approaches to things. But I'm noticing that more and more people are really tired of that cut and dry kind of scenario. And everybody is wanting to have complex, nuanced conversations again. Yeah, quietly, like with our indoor voices, like our kids said. And you know, what I find the angle that you're most inspiring about is that you inspire wonder and curiosity. Um, One of my favorite um, things I like to say is we have got to exchange contempt for curiosity. That's how I've found the most extraordinary things that every person I meet can, can teach me. 
is that I'm way more curious than I am contemptful, no matter what circumstances they come to me in. And, um, you know, I love what you're doing. We are obviously going to have to talk again. <laughs> because yeah. I have a whole page. Um, uh, <laughs> Mary Liz and I can see each other. We're only recording the audio part of this. But I have an entire notebook of questions I didn't get to. That So we're going to have to talk again. I'm a talker. You got to... Well, and a storyteller, and that's what you do professionally. So <laughs> so tell us, um, as we go out here, tell us where the best places are for people to keep up with you and your phenomenal work. Yeah, well, I got to say, I've got, I'm, I'm shy one buddy. It's two of us. It's Ryan Chilinski and myself, and I really want people to see his gorgeous work. Ryan is an amazing yes. filmmaker. I'm in love with him. Oh, my gosh. Um you can see everything that we do at cosmicperspective.com. From there, you can find anything. But I, I would say that I always point people to our YouTube channel because it's where we most often we live stream from there. You can join as a member to support what we're doing or just to be notified when we go live for a launch. But you'll see all of Ryan's stunning work there. It's it's truly spectacular and it will make you pause and watch that launch the way that I do and consider what humans are truly uh, capable of accomplishing when they put their minds to it. It is really something. It, okay, so that's the perfect setup for the last question I'm going to ask you. <laughs> I always ask every one of the people I interview, what to you proves that it is still an amazing world? What comes to mind when I say that? What do you remind yourself sometimes when you're down or when you when you need to pick me up? What reminds you that it is still an amazing world? I know you're probably looking for a succinct, you know, one thing in the present, but the truth is I can't think of anything else but my past. I was homeless. I was addicted to drugs. I was at the bottom of the bottom of the most bottom barrel, and I didn't want to live in this feels like for I, this feels like a different human life ago, but it wasn't wasn't that long ago. And so I know that putting one foot in front of the other means a stairway to heaven. And on my days where I'm struggling a bit, I look back and I think, all right, I'm doing okay. And I'm going to do so much better if I keep going, because who knows where the staircase really leads. That is a great thought to leave people with until our next conversation. <laughs> that is something we can all use every day. For more information about our guests' work or the subjects we mentioned, check out the show notes for links. As always, dive into the ever-widening circles universe by visiting us at ewc.co. If there are students in your life, turn them loose on our education site at ewced.com and subscribe to the ever-widening circles app. That's the number one thing you can do to help our efforts. For less than a dollar a month, you have the antidote to the daily news right in the palm of your hand. And that $1 will help us send a major signal to content creators that people will support positive content. And the big news, we will be hosting the first Conspiracy of Goodness Summit on October 4th. You can get tickets to that and be able to enjoy the recorded programs thereafter at cogsummit.com. That's short for Conspiracy of Goodness, C-O-G, Summit, S-U-M-M-I-T.com. 
I hope that all these connections to goodness and progress carry you through your week and you start finding all that joy and wonder we've been talking about. Have a great week.